The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the National Football League. I am Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. We've got plenty to get to on today's show, but where we begin, former Raiders head coach John Gruden appeared in court today for the first hearing in his lawsuit against the NFL. Gruden claims the NFL leaked emails in a malicious campaign to get him fired. Uh, big, big note from this is that the judge did deny the NFL's motion to dismiss, so the suit remains in court and, and it will move forward. Uh, likely means good things for John Gruden's case uh, as opposed to the NFL side. But let me welcome in Justice Mosqueda of Acting Packing Co. as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. Um, not, not a ton to get into about this. It's just kind of a small note uh, on the John Gruden lawsuit. But uh, w- without having a ton of knowledge of the situation and without reading up a little bit more on it, I, I just assume that this is a win for Gruden, that the case is simply moving forward and probably something the NFL wish it, wishes wasn't the case. Yeah, we, we don't have a lot of info on it, but just as you said, I imagine um, maybe they're a little surprised by this. I don't know how you know how much they thought that Gruden would fight back on this or how far he would pursue this, but it doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon if they're moving forward with it. I mean, he did lose out on a $100 million contract. They should have assumed that, that he was going to be mad about this. I know, again, it seemed very weird that, like, the DeMore Smith stuff leaked out, uh, what was it, the day before the union had to had to vote on union leadership, and then the rest of it fell down. I think, what was it, the New York Times released the rest of the emails um, after, the, after the fact. These emails were supposed to be within – the Washington uh, football team organization, you know, dur- during, you know, basically looking into all the da- Daniel Snyder stuff and uh, workplace misconduct. Um, so the only people who should have had access to these emails were the NFL and Washington's football team. And the NFL came out pretty hard immediately and was like, we will find a leaker. And as far as I know, we have not found a leaker. So if you're going ahead with a lawsuit, this is not to say, you know, John Gruden is a, uh, a, f- a figure who you should have, like, a ton of sympathy for, right? But if you're saying, hey, you know, the NFL leaked these emails, probably gave them to, like, the New York Times to get him out of there, I probably believe that because why would Washington do it, right? So we'll see if it gets to discovery. That's always the thing that the NFL just does not want to deal with at all. If it gets to discovery, um, we're definitely going to have a lot of juicy stuff to talk about, but it'll probably get settled out of court and John Green will make a bunch of money. Yeah, we'll we'll continue to monitor the story and keep an eye on it because, as Justice mentioned, like if it does get to discovery, I, I have to imagine that uh, John Gruden knows we'll have headlines from, every day. Yeah, every John day. Gruden knows where some NFL bodies are buried, so the NFL is probably hoping that is not the case. Uh, Another quick bit of news before we get into our year two breakout candidates. The NFL has slowed the head coaching interview process, but they are reportedly expanding the Rooney rule to now include quarterback coaches, which is probably going to have a a huge effect on on coaching searches in general across the league. Correct. 
Yeah, hundred percent. The the big thing with that is just being able to interview multiple people for those type of jobs, right? We every everyone knows that the the basically the way to become an NFL head coach, right? You become a quarterback coach, you get promoted to offensive coordinator, then you become a head coach, right? That, that's just kind of how this thing goes. Like how many of these guys, uh, Nathaniel Hackett, for example, right? He's never been a head coach before. What does he coach? Quarterbacks. And then he became an offensive coordinator and then he gets promoted. It's just being being the guy around one of these top quarterbacks is kind of how you fast track your career. Um, it's super important. And I've been a huge proponent of uh, kind of working on like the lower end of that fast track rather than the high end, because if, if you're talking about the high end, right, you could say, Hey, we have a head coaching opening. We're trying to hire an offensive guru. And then people complain about, you know, diversity and stuff. But you, you look at the rest of the league, like, it's like, how many of these, how many of these Don white dudes are, are touching quarterbacks? It's like Byron Leftwich, who's like an NFL quarterback, right? Um, Jim Caldwell, who's been out of the league for, for a couple of years. Um, so, so working on that lower end and making sure that like agents don't just like package entire coaching staff, which is a real thing. Like that's how agents are getting stuff done now, both at the NFL and college level. If you can kind of break that down a little bit and just ha- say, Hey, just interview people. Like don't, don't, when you hire a head coach, don't have it just be like uh, an agent package that's coming in day one. Because when you hire, when you go through the hiring process for a head coach, it's not just him. You ask him, what his staff will look like. Yeah, like that's something that comes up. On. And a lot of that gets made through, you know, agencies and stuff. So, and it's just, Hey, you know, we have a linebackers coach and a defensive line coach. Like we'll just package them all together. And now all of our clients have jobs, like being able to break that down on the agency level. And that's probably the way that people should start thinking about this. It's like the agencies have so much power, like in, in, in part, this is part of the agency's problems. Being able to break that down is super important in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree, and uh, we'll, we'll see how that expansion uh, winds up working out in the Rooney Rule across the NFL and their continued uh, adjustments or, or in hiring practices or ways that they're actually trying to improve those because I think there's a lot of room for improvement. Do you think, Justice, that it's going to be rocky at first? Because obviously when you implement these kind of rules, like there's not – it's never overnight. Like There's never going to be – like next year, we're not going to see Quincy Avery on the sidelines, for example. Like that's what I mean. But yeah, like I don't how long? Either, but yeah. Well, for just throwing <laughs> out names, for example. Um, but like, how long do you think it'll take for us to get to you know a point where you know we see multiple minority head coaches? Because if you go outside, like I see a lot of black quarterback trainers, at least um, working with a lot of up and coming uh, quarterbacks. I mean, look at look around, like these these quarterbacks need to be mobile. They have to be able to move. And, you know, I just feel like the old school type of QB training, like that's, that's going to go out of the window. So um, how long before you think we um, see some substantial change? I think it'll probably be a couple of years, but I do, I do think that this is going to make a change, right? Like having public pressure on, you know, the quarterback position of not just individual franchises, but like the league as a whole, where you're like, do you have a culture problem if you're interviewing these guys and you don't think any of them are qualified? I, I, I think the interesting thing is like, so you hire a quarterback coach. What are his bona fides before he becomes a quarterback coach, right? Like a first time quarterback coach. I'm not talking about a guy who's been around before, right? Um, I, I, that's where it becomes like, are we developing, you know, the, you you see like assistant quarterback coach and stuff like that, right? Like the guys who are like in, in the meeting rooms, but they're like not on field coaches, uh, during the actual games and stuff like that. Are we going to do a better job of developing that through like the, what is it? Like the Bill Walsh fellowship where, you know, they have college coaches intern with, uh, with NFL teams over the summer to help out with training camp and stuff like that. Um, or is it going to be, something like, um, you know, college coaches with bona fides, right? Like black uh, quarterback coaches at the college level, you know, FBS, Power Five, who are getting shots uh, at these jobs. So that's what's going to be interesting to me is like, where does this come from, right? Because this pipeline has not been developed. So we're fast tracking this pipeline a little bit. It's just a question of like, how how do we like, where are these people actually going to come from? Right. So I, I, I think that's my question and that's the part that's probably going to take a couple years, but I think at some point this, this stuff is going to end up 
trending in, in the right direction. I don't think outside of ownership, which I think should probably get more pressure than we usually put on it in terms of like, sometimes they just want to hire the guy that they want to hang out with and like go to luncheons. And They're stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Like there should be more pressure on that end than like the actual coaching staffs, but like outside of agencies, and ownership. I, I don't think anyone in the NFL actually wants this damn problem, right? So I think the fact that they're they're willing to fix it and you know, we have the Bill Walsh minority fellowship stuff and now now we're gonna have the Rooney rule for quarterback coaches, which might help um, you know, uh college uh quarterback coaches fast track their career. I think that this is all good. This is all good news. And it should help quarterback play in the NFL, which is the biggest thing, right? If if you're interviewing more people and instead of just going to an agency and saying, hey, we want to hire your head coach. This is the one guy he wants to be his quarterback coach. Having a national search for a quarterback coach will only improve, you know, what quarterback development looks like at the NFL level. It's not like there's a – I don't even know how to explain it. It's not like we're saying, you know, for every, you know, one white – quarterback coach you have to hire one black quarterback coach or something like that it's just hey how about we interview guys and have a national search that that can only lead to better results just like the staffs in general the 49ers staff shanahan he just hired all of either his former players that he's coached before or guys that he's been or guys that he's been around um at previous stops so he hired you, a bunch of his dad's guys, right? Like, who's, yeah, the, who's, the, who's yeah. the running backs coach? The running backs coach forever? is the same guy who found Terrell Davis. Yeah. <laughs> that's where we are right now. I mean, that, that's but, how a lot of this stuff happens. It's yeah. interpersonal relationships. You're in the foxhole with these guys. And then, you know, agencies, you know, co- come into come into play at a certain point. But I, I just think it's good to have national searches for any position, especially the quarterback position. Like, it just it's, can only make the NFL better, in my opinion. Before we get to our uh, year two breakout players, fellas, I almost forgot we have to fix the Pro Bowl. The NFL <laughs> yeah. is, is reportedly looking into changing it up, not not even having like a, a traditional game because nobody watches the Pro Bowl, but enough people still watch it that it's a big enough deal. They don't want to totally do away with it. So they're trying to fix it. I, I mean, I'm never going to watch the Pro Bowl. Like, as somebody who consumes so much football, so much football media, and it is like lives and breathes this stuff throughout the NFL season, there's, I don't think there's any format, any change they could do to get me to be locked into the Pro Bowl the week before the Super Bowl. So, May 2015, there was a Green Bay Packers producer who talked about re-watching the Pro Bowl. And <laughs> I feel like people should be aware of this. He said, you rewatch the Pro Bowl just to come away thinking Breeze is the worst player in the game. <laughs> Look, first of all, I was right. I was right. I was ahead of the curve in, 20, in, in 2015. Sometimes you watch the Pro Bowl. I had nothing else to watch. It's like, uh, what else is there? There's the East-West Shrine game that week. There's like senior bowl practices. outside. Of, there's not much going on. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, traditionally Pro Bowl week, I'm like, that's a Sunday I get to live my life and <laughs> do anything other Just than outside. Yeah, yeah. How dare you try to take away my football <laughs> weekends? I with the dark times, I, like looking down the tunnel. No, I'm. I'll I'll watch the damn Pro Bowl for at least like a quarter. I th- I think the way you fix the Pro Bowl is like, one, you got to figure out more teams. Two. You got to make like each game a quarter, like have like a, a rookie team, have a sophomore team, and then the AFC and NFC teams. Just have them play one quarter and have it be like a tournament. So you're playing like what is that? Three quarters of football. Oh, here we go. You just so AFC West versus uh, the NFC West first quarter, uh, South versus South. So you yeah. can do that on and on. There we go. Yeah, just um, something, just some some sort of a tournament because these guys don't try until the fourth quarter anyway. Right. So like just have it one quarter and like I, I definitely want the rookies and sophomores in there at some point one because I think it's just a good showcase for like young talent um to just kind of like just get a look at like what is up and coming in the league and two it would also be very embarrassing for some of these professional players to lose to a bunch of rookies and I don't think they want to do that so I, add the extra motivation 
So my deal was, and people are throwing out all kind of like the things that were, we already saw, for example, uh, like the 40, the 40 yard dash, like the fastest player, which what used to happen is like Darrell Green used to just smoke everybody. And that really wasn't a thing. Um, so I don't know why we're, we're going back to that. It would be the same thing this year where uh, like Tyreek Hill would just run by everybody. Like we don't, nobody really wants to see that. Um, it, I don't know. I, I like the idea of just breaking it down, showcasing your talent and just, it can still be football just in a different way, but there has to be more, like practice elements, like why can't we have like a one-on-one competition? Because that's what people want to see. They want to be entertained. Um, get the linemen in there. Get the linemen out there and doing something that involves them with the ball. What, what, what are the linemen going to do? Oh, linemen seven on seven? I no, will God, say, no. I will not. I will never watch <laughs> K- that. KP, that should you, never be a thing. You've, co- you've coached high school kids. Do the high school kids get any more hype than when the linemen are having to like run scout teams seven on seven? <laughs> The uh, the big man relays like they do in track and field, do something like that. Or now it's like big man competitions where like they have a tug of war uh, is what we do, like on seven on sevens in between. The, like there will be linemen having like tug of wars or throwing balls, just doing random things that have nothing to do with football. But again, people are entertained by that because there are, it seems like there are more people watching the tug of wars than are watching our freaking games. So I'm sure that would be a thing in the NFL. My idea was just have an Oklahoma drill. <laughs> have the anonymous scouts who said so-and-so player B wouldn't make it. And let's see how he feels about that player now. But I mean, I, I think justice hit it just as far as um, having just showcasing the young talent and breaking it up into divisions and just change it. Like you just have to have some type of fresh blood in there. And obviously whatever's working now isn't, or whatever they have now isn't working because um, if, if I were to ask you, Hey, do you remember in the second quarter of the pro bowl, no, no, you don't because you weren't watching it. I think anything they can do to highlight just the insane level of athleticism that you have to do, like from sure. an from an individual standpoint, like to make a Pro Bowl in the NFL is going to be good. And, you know, for a sport that's trying to get more in bed with gambling and we're seeing gambling legalized everywhere, like let's find a way to gamble on it. Like I'd be interested in watching individual NFL players just placing like $10,000 bets or something throughout like skills competitions in the pro bowl. I think that would be awesome. You're trying to get these guys banned. Yeah. You're trying to get these guys banned. Okay. That'd be like, what like a full Olympic slate for these guys, like ping pong tournaments, like everything. Yeah. You could bet, you could bet on all that. So by the way, these are high level athletes. And I imagine if we asked them to do like a different sport, they'd be like pretty damn good at that too. You yeah. say that, but like, they're also trained in football, right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 the same thing with like football players like play basketball, and it's like they can all jump. Some of them can shoot. None of them can dribble. Not a single one of them can dribble. Yeah, once they have to get in the lane, it gets pretty ugly because that involves touch, and that is not their skill. <laughs> no, but it, it's like these guys are just so athletically gifted, like their poor performance on a golf course or, or a basketball court or something is still better than like anything, any reasonable human being can do. Like Tom Brady dropping that video today of him just nailing a hole in one. If you believe it or don't, I mean, it looks pretty impressive and they've got that golf tournament coming up. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are both really big golf players. Mahomes supposedly is, is really, really good at golf. And he's just one of those dudes who just seems like he's good at every sport. So Anything we can highlight, just how insane these guys are and how competitive they are individually, I think is going to be a win for the Pro Bowl. But let's get into our year two breakout candidates. Now, we're going to pick one player from each division. Each of us has a, a, a list of eight players that we like headed into the upcoming season, guys that are headed into their second year and have an opportunity to really break out this season and, and kind of become more, more household names that, that your average NFL fan, that, that guy is all of a sudden going to be on their radar as opposed to just us who are literally like watching every single game throughout the NFL season and know just like hundreds of these guys off the top of our heads. So we're going to start in the NFC West. And my first player I, I think is the easy player to pick in the NFC West West and it's 49ers quarterback, Trey Lance, like, He's going to be the starter and, you know, we'll see what they do with Jimmy Garoppolo, but Trey's going to be the starter this season. The 49ers already have a really talented roster and and I've got faith that 
you know, while he might still be a developmental quarterback, I think his athleticism and the things they're going to be able to do with him offensively is going to put him in a good situation to succeed this season, even if uh, there's still some some young growing pains and he's still got to learn a lot of stuff on the fly. I, I think he's going to be set up for success. I really think Trey Lance has an opportunity to break out this year. Uh, when you talk about, we'll see what they do with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said yesterday, uh, yeah, we still expect to trade him. <laughs> <laughs> Just like kind of out of nowhere. So he was asked, uh, hey, is anything changed on the quarterback front? Uh, he, he was pretty adamant that, yeah, he's probably not going to be here. So we, we don't have to pretend like uh, we don't know who's a starter. But, I mean, Lance is walking into a situation unlike any other quarterback. Like We're, we're going to talk about a couple of the other uh, quarterbacks, I'm sure. But think about w- who Trevor Trevor Lawrence had to throw to last year and who was calling his plays and the offensive line that he had in front of him, just like the structure of the offense. Then think about what Trey Lance is working with. Like he has Kyle Shanahan, uh, Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, like a legitimate running game and an offensive line that's probably going to be even better than what they were a year ago. And that's the same offense that made the NFC Championship. So Essentially, Trey Lance just has to perform at a level of Jimmy Garoppolo, and that should not be hard to do. Um, he's honestly he's going to open up the offense just as far as space and speed goes, and he'll be able to pad his stats, I imagine, with all that space and speed. So I, I don't see a scenario where he fails just because he's walking into such a good um, – just a, a good situation. But as you said, like there's going to be bumps. There's going to be rocky roads. Like he's going to have ups and he's going to have ups and downs. But I – I think he's so talented and he's already proven that he's, you know, he's good in the pocket that there's a, there's a good chance that he, um, I don't like, he's not going to be like a dark horse MVP or whatever, but they're going to be good. And it will actually be because of the quarterback this time around. I actually took Trey MVP odds last Whoa. season. <laughs> Whoa. At like, like plus 10,000. It was, that was one of my probably worst bets. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to pick Trey too. I mean, it's all the things you guys said. Um, the the play that just keeps being burned in my mind is the the pin and pull play against the Green Bay Packers, where it's just Trent Williams on the edge with the cornerback, Trey just running power football downhill like he's Cam Newton, and just walking in for a touchdown. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if there's a corner who can you know block or, or hold up at the point of attack against Trent Williams one on one. Like, at all. Like, if they just want to do that from two yards out, Trey can get 20 rushing touchdowns if he wants to. Like, Mm -hmm. if they're really committed that way. So, you add that plus the fact that he's going to have the Kyle Shanahan training wheels on the whole, like, you know, zone, boot, you know, all the the motion action stuff. Like, whenever he gets a look, I think maybe it'll take him a while to get, you know, NFL speed under his feet. But he's going to be a star. He has all the arm talent in the world, and he, he should be pretty good. So my, I wrote down Rondell Moore just because you know, he's in Arizona's offense and DeAndre Hopkins isn't there. And, yes, they had they added Hollywood Brown. I don't know what we're going to get from A.J. Green in 2022. You would think there's By the way, Andy Isabel is on the trade block. Well, in that case, yeah. um, it feels like Isabel has been on the trade block since he's got drafted. So that pick really worked out well. But – Rondell Moore seems like a guy who, you know, you could just throw the ball to. And, and they used him in, like, jets and around the line of scrimmage. But it seems like he would be a nice safety outlet for uh, Kyler Murray. And it seems like they would have a good rapport with each other. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what we get from Rondell Moore in year two. I don't – I'm not saying he's going to be, like, a 1,000-yard receiver. But they need speed and they operate around speed, and that's what he has. So I, I, I'm interested to see what he can bring to the table. I love Rondale Moore. Uh, I, I'm really excited to see how he develops. Like we we got a glimpse, I feel like that season of his explosiveness and that speed and the way they were using him earlier in the season. But then his production kind of fell off. But he just wasn't really getting enough snaps. I don't think as That's a rookie. The cliff and, factor is what that yeah. is. And and, and I I think he's got uh, a really strong chance uh, of really breaking out this year. I love Rondale Moore. That's a guy that I definitely considered uh, in the NFC West too. Uh, in the NFC East, I selected, and th- there was a couple of guys that I liked, but I decided to go with Devontae Smith. I, I, and I, I think that we saw him a- as a rookie for the Philadelphia Eagles, and 
kind of the growing pains that they went through as an offense with struggling to pass and then kind of figuring out halfway through the season, oh, we're good at running the ball. Let's run the ball a bunch now. And he just didn't really have anybody else that they could rely on to to make plays, to draw coverage away from him. And the situation in Philadelphia, I feel like, has changed quite a bit this offseason. And that starts with them adding A.J. Brown, who is a bona fide number one wide receiver who's going to draw the best coverage from every opponent that you have on a week in week out basis. And I think that's going to do wonders for Devonte Smith. Cause we saw as a rookie, like he's got the ability to get open with his routes. Like he, he is a crisp route runner who, who can get open. And if you scheme things up for him, I think he's going to have a really strong chance uh, of really having a, a productive season this year. And I hope that everything's in place for Jalen hurts to take another step as a passer. And so Devonte Smith is my pick. I, I'm, I'm very excited about him in year two. So year one, he goes over 900 yards receiving. He never has a reception longer than 46 yards. And he had a handful of games where I'm looking at his um, box. Uh, 16, 31, 15, 22, 15. And there were a couple 40s in there. So he's going to be better. with a- Like A.J. Brown is naturally going to draw attention and he's just going to lead Devonta Smith one-on-one. Um, I think he's going to be a star. And – I think, I mean, the there was a lot of talk just whether who's better, uh, the duo between Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle. Like, they're both studs, and it's okay to admit that. And Devonta is in a perfect situation. And who knows, you know, if Jalen Hurts does end up taking that step forward. But the player, Smith, um, just how he gets open, how you can use him, I think he's going to – I really think there's a good chance that he goes over 1,200 yards. Like, I really think he's that good. And just looking at the box scores, looking at um, talking about that, the lack of explosive plays at Alabama, that's all he was like. He just took screens and went to the house. That's going to happen in the NFL. It didn't happen last year, but like he has speed that you can't teach. And he's way more than speed. Like he's a refined route runner. He knows how to use tempo. He knows how to use space and he can catch. Like that's another thing. People were worried about his frame. You'd have no idea about his size. if You just watch him catch the ball. So um, I, I would not be surprised at all. to see him go over 1200 yards. Yeah, he's really good. Um, my my selection because you guys took the took ones that I wanted um, is going to be Milton Williams. Is a little bit of a deeper cut for the Philadelphia Eagles, but the Eagles' interior defensive line is nuts. I don't know if you guys have seen how the depth chart stacks out, but they got Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Jordan Davis, and Milton Williams. Like I, I think this is the year where we kind of learn like Jordan Davis and Milton Williams are kind of the future there. On the interior, Milton's a smaller guy. He's probably plays around uh, two eighty ish. Um, I really liked what he put on. He he put on film at Louisiana Tech. I don't think he's gonna get a ton of reps, but I I think he's gonna be very productive on the reps that he's on the field, especially if he's able to just pin his ear back uh, and uh, just go at quarterbacks on third down. Uh, Williams was a name that came up because he he kind of came on strong. Um, and really, when I, when I say that, he just started to play more. And they realized, mm-hmm. oh, wow, this guy's good, and we have to figure out how to get him on the field. That was a name that I had uh, that I had almost put down to. So that's a good one. Yeah, I, I like that Eagles front. I, I really like the Eagles in general. Like, the more and more we talk about the Eagles, I'm just like, am I, am I on board with them this season? Like, are, scary. Are they, like, NFC East, am I all about the Eagles this year? And I it's keep being like, yeah, I guess I am. The KP put down Ojolari. Let's hear it. I don't like Ojolari. So you okay. got to Yeah, speak I mean, me. so maybe this is more about Is he going to uh, get more tips? than 3 sacks? Um, I just wonder and yeah, he had the numbers to back it up last year and was he as good as like the 8 sacks suggest? Probably not. But I think that they're just going to be better in general and I think having a legitimate rusher on the other side of him will, you know, just will make him better. Um, he added, you know, there's always the offseason talk. He added 10 pounds of muscle and he's he's ready for a breakout. He's going to be a double digit sack guy. Just you wait. But I think the opportunities is the reason I, I wrote him down. And I think uh, Kayvon is that good, and he will make uh, Ojolari better. We'll see. I've, I've always thought of Ojolari as more of a run stuffer and stuff. Like, remember Ojolari at one point was being talked as, like, the top edge rusher in uh, that 2021 class. Early in the process, they, yeah. Yeah, and then he started dropping down. He just never made sense to me as a guy who is that good. They're, you know, to your point, it's not like he's really going to be pushed by, like, Jihad Ward or – Shane Zimenez, um, Quincy Roche, like he's going to get playing time. I, I just don't know if I love the player. 
So if he puts up like 10 tack, 10 sacks this season, is he just like new Brian Burns where just he's on a bad football team and nobody knows who he is. So nobody talks about him, but he's been really good. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I see a lot of people like, uh, Everyone talks about, you know, I'm in the Packers bubble. Everyone talks about how good Rashawn Gary is. And I'm like, they still could have taken Brian Burns. Does no one realize how good Brian Burns is? No one, no one cares how good Brian Burns is because he plays for the Panthers and no one right. wants to watch their offense. Yeah. He's th- three years of really good production as a pass rusher. And I feel like we still just don't talk about Brian Burns. Been really good so far in his NFL career. Uh, But moving on to the NFC South, I think I picked probably the most obvious choice in the South in Kyle Pitts. Um, I know he was outstanding as a rookie, went over a thousand yards and just looked like without Calvin Ridley, especially like looked like Atlanta's just best pass catcher as a true rookie at the tight end position. And he's only going to get better. And last season he was kind of down kind of midway through the end of the year because he was just their only viable pass catching option. So every team just knew like we can just focus on Kyle Pitts and they don't have anybody else who's going to be reliable in that part of the game. And so them adding weapons this off season and, and everything that Atlanta has done, I think it's just going to mean good stuff for Kyle Pitts. And I think he's an ascending superstar. So I, I expect an even bigger jump from him in year two. Yeah. I just wonder like how he's going to break out. Um, he, he was, he was pretty good last year, but in that offense, I mean, <laughs> like what is what is Mariota going to bring to the table for Atlanta in 2022? And I mean, Pitts is already so good, as I mentioned, like he's a high draft pick. Everybody kind of knows he's good. And that's why I went with uh, Joe Tryon, who if Justin, if you don't like him as a football player. I don't know, man. I don't know what to try. Try Tryon's good. Tryon, I think, has like. If there's off-season hype around an edge rusher, a pass rusher, like this is a guy that we should like. And so he's in a great situation. Tampa Bay is probably going to be playing with the lead a ton. Um, we just had – I mentioned the off-season hype. So Shaq Barrett, I think it was today, said that he's going to be a double-digit sack guy. Watch, just you watch. He's going to break out. Um, you know, he's been learning, taking him under his wing and all that jazz. But at Washington, you saw the athlete. Um, you saw that he has the skills. You saw he had the skill set. I don't know if he was used, you know, in, in a perfect way, but this time around in year two, like we're going to see the jump. I just think he has the athleticism. I think he actually knows how to play the game. Like he's not just relying on that athleticism too. And again, like the situation. So he'll be on the field with other good players and he'll have one-on-one opportunities. And since Tampa Bay will have the lead, I think he's going to have an, a chance to uh, pad his stats and, and look, I don't want to say look better than he is, but he'll be a household name by the end of the season is what I think. I'm a big fan of Joe Tryon, and maybe this is just me justifying him as my number one edge coming out. So, (laughs) Well, he should get help from Logan Hall selection too, right? Like Logan Hall can play inside, outside. He's super athletic. Like that that Tampa pass rush is going to get a lot better this year, I think. Um, My my pick is J.C. Horn, the corner, uh, who is hurt for the Carolina Panthers. He was drafted out of South Carolina. He's really like – his game specifically is really good in like press man. Right. And we'll see how much Carolina actually runs that this year. Um, but just think of some of the names that were in this past cornerback class, right? Uh, Patrick Sertain basically played perfect. Eric Stokes had a really good year playing as like a, a quarters cornerback. Um, Asante Samuel jr. Played really well. And JC Horn was drafted ahead of all of them. And I know um, he was banged up but he, he's a guy to keep in mind for this year because he was a guy who was talented enough to be a top 10 pick. And I feel like we've just like collectively on top of having the uh, Brian Burns effect of like, he plays defense on the Carolina Panthers. No one wants to watch him. Uh, we've collectively just kind of like forgotten that he's like a really good talent. Yeah. JC Horn was a guy that I considered over Kyle Pitts because was it, how many games did he play last season? Three or four? And I think the Panthers started three and one, and yeah. uh, we were on the Sam Darnold hype train. JC Horn <laughs> looked really good before he broke his foot. Like he looked like a legitimate playmaker for that defense. And if he stays healthy this year, yeah, I think he's got a very high ceiling in the NFL. He's only 22 still. Like he is incredibly young, like an uber athlete. That is how you build a cornerback is J.C. Horn. And not just like physically and with like he's a 4-4, 4-3 guy, but he's physical. Like he's one of 
so when we do the voting at the end of the year, and, and this sounds so stupid, but one of the reasons that I was leery of putting AJ Terrell on there and crazy good cover guy, but like he doesn't play the force well. And JC Horn is the exact opposite. Like he is one of the better tacklers that you'll see at the position in the NFL oh, he's, already. He's a, he's a dog. And yeah, for sure. That like matters a lot to me. So I, I cannot wait to see him play, man. I hope he stays healthy. He's probably going to get challenged a ton just because he is young, but um, I, he always, it seems like he always rises to the occasion. So yeah, you mentioned those three games. Like he was very good when he played, man. We're going to see some cool battles with him too. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. Think of all the guys New Orleans has. Think of all the guys Tampa has at, at wide receiver. And then Atlanta, you're getting Drake London and Kyle Pitts when he gets split out. I'm sure they're going to have him on him. So um, we're, we're definitely going to see a lot of good matchups with him. Yeah, very excited about J.C. Horn's potential this year. Um, moving on to the NFC North. This division hurts a, a little bit because the pick that I wanted to make was Justin Fields. And – I would love to see Justin Fields take a huge step forward this season, and maybe he still does that. It's just that Chicago has done absolutely nothing to help him and to make That's life right. easier for him. Um, so, <laughs> so I didn't pick Justin Fields just because I, I just don't trust what they're doing around there. I picked Lions wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, he quietly had a really, really strong rookie season. And, and again, he's another one of those players where – it's not a bad football team, kind of goes overlooked, but he just had 90 receptions as a rookie. And the Lions are headed in the right direction. Now, we don't know if Jamison Williams is going to be healthy right out of the gate to start the season next year. But Amon Ross St. Brown proved that he can be a viable pass-catching option for that offense. And I think he's going to be a huge part of that team early on in the season, especially while they're trying to get Jamison Williams healthy. I am fascinated to see how that offense looks, of course, once they get an actual quarterback. But – when it's him and Jameson, I feel like Jameson is a great compliment for uh, St. Brown, just because you mentioned like those 90 catches. He's going to be a guy that can do all the dirty work, uh, I guess is, is how you describe him. And that's what you need. Like you need those type of wide, wide outs. So I want to see him evolve. I want to see how his game grows in the NFL and uh, like not, not a burner, not a speed guy by any means, but he's showing that, you know, again, he can do the things over the middle, the things underneath and, Every offense needs that guy. So that's a good pick. I, I like him. I, I like the direction that the Lions are going, and that pick is a good, a big reason why. Amon Ross St. Brown basically beat the Green Bay Packers in week 18. Like <laughs> they, 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 played their, they played their starters for a half, and they ran all the damn trick plays, and Amon Ross St. Brown <laughs> was going nuts. Um, I'm picking another Detroit Lion. I, I'm telling you, no one believes me. Stats didn't believe me when we recorded uh, a couple Fridays ago. I really think the Detroit Lions are going to sneak into that like wild card race. Just they have so many players that I think are Dear going to be God. young and good. Look, the wild card race in the NFC is not going to be pretty anyway. Like it's going to be the Saints, it's going to be the Eagles, it's going to be the Cardinals, and if the Lions are there, that probably takes two of the two or two of the four are getting into the last two slots. Um, the guy I want to point out is Derek Barnes, who actually had like a pretty good rookie season. Um, he's an off-ball linebacker, but they move him around a little bit. His whole thing is he played at Purdue. He was a defensive end basically until his last year there. And then they moved him to off-ball linebacker because they had guys like, you know, George Karloftis um, up front and stuff like that. He he would play like Mike linebacker basically for Purdue. And then on third downs would just play defensive end and was their best pass rusher. He's a guy who did solid production early on with uh, the Lions last year. And I think it's only going to take another step up and, the guy kind of – he's not there yet, but, like, he's the Donta Hightower type of guy. Like, the guy who's, like, taking on, like, just guards downhill, can play sideline to sideline. Like, I really liked his film when I was breaking him down. I probably would have drafted him, like, even, like, a round higher than where he went, and he even beat my expectations as a rookie. So, I, I think he's going to be a guy who everyone is probably wondering, like, who the heck is this guy? But, like, by next year, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, Derek Barnes is, like, you know, a top – 10 inside linebacker of the league or something. Did you just compare? Derek I did. Barnes? And that it's it's slanderous because I would have given I would have given Donta Hightower like two or three Super Bowl MVPs. Like I I, I, I say, hold that I'm, name in high regard. This is a guy who like when he didn't play in 2020, you noticed it. Like yeah. you saw the Patriots miss him. He is in my opinion like oh I would I would rank him like 
I put him on the all-decade team, like of the past decade. Like seriously, should be in he the was Hall that good. He should have won Super Bowl MVPs. Like he, the uh, the Seahawks Super Bowl, I would have given him the MVP. The Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl, I would have given him the MVP. Like he, he's a very good. Lo- and that's why I, I hesitated, Oof. and I said, he, "Look, Jeez. he's not there yet. He's not there yet." But he's that type of player, like just in terms of uh, his build and and what he can do on the field. I hope. I Watch hope you're him. Right. You're gonna like him. You um, like him. I hope you're right. Let's just say that. So the standard for Derek Barnes is one of the better linebackers we've seen Ever. over the last decade <laughs> in the NFL. Um, I'm not quite with you that they're going to be in the wild card race, but I do love everything the Lions are doing. They're headed in the right direction. I don't know about making the playoffs, but. Uh, I, I love what the Lions did this offseason. They're Just definitely me and Campbell. We're the only believers. <laughs> um, can we interrupt this news real quick? Because the Raiders are working out free agent quarterback Colin Kaepernick. Uh, Ooh, Mark Davis Raiders said, the, Mark Davis said a, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, that hey, if if Josh McDaniels sees sees him fit, like feels like he's a fit for our offense, I'm I'm all for it. Uh, do you think anything comes of this, or is this just, hey, we worked them out, we did our job, but blah, blah, blah? My instant conspiracy brain went to that's very convenient to have that on the same day that the Gruden news comes out. Mm. Is, is, is where my brain goes. I, I just think everything is PR generally. But I mean, Josh McDaniels did use Tim Tebow. Right. And not to say I th- these two quarterbacks have been compared in so many ways that it's like disingenuous to even compare them. But like Tim Tebow, Colin Kaepernick, the one thing that you can say about both of them is they're both, you know, runners. And you can look at what McDaniels did with like Cam Newton. I mean, if you're going to ease Kaepernick back into the NFL and you're going to give him some reps as, you know, a, a runner first and have some packages under Derek Carr, like that's one way to do it. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It feels like it's a total PR move uh, on this day when a uh, judge ruled in favor of John Gruden. But I guess one positive to take away is that like, at least Mark Davis is following through on the things that he said, because right. we've seen teams over and over again say like, oh, no, like we, we think the world of Colin, like we think that he is a great athlete, but that nothing ever comes of it. Like, at least he's getting a work. Yeah. Like the Pete Carroll stuff. I kind of feel like Pete's been a coward about this whole situation. And I only single him out because he's spoken on Colin Kaepernick so often. Like he, he's basically said like, Hey, this guy is like a borderline starter in the NFL. And then they have Drew Locke at quarterback and stuff. And he's like, Oh, we're happy with our quarterback situation. And it's like, so you were just never going to give him a chance. It was just all lip service the entire time. Very real, man. That's good news for Colin Kaepernick. I, I, I genuinely do hope that it actually leads somewhere. Um, it does feel uh, a little coincidental that it happened on this day. But, uh, yeah, at least somebody's following through and giving him an opportunity to work out for their team. We'll see what happens with that. But let's take a quick timeout right here, and when we get back, we will give you our favorite year two breakouts across the AFC. That's coming up next on NFL University. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. We're continuing to discuss our favorite year two breakouts. We already gave you our guys in the NFC. Now we head to the AFC, and we begin with the AFC West. 
Now, this is a really talented division, and there's some really young, talented players in this division. So there's a lot of guys to choose from, but I went with Denver Broncos running back Javante Williams. I know they brought back Melvin Gordon, which is kind of a bummer because I think Javante Williams is an every <laughs> down running back, and I want to see him get like an every down running back's workload because I think this dude has legitimate superstar potential. I understand the division is crazy tough, but Javante Williams last year, just looked like he was a stud and he was basically just splitting 50 50 carries with Melvin Gordon all season long. I would love to see what he can do with like a full RB one workload. Cause I think he's just got potential to be an absolute monster. I mean, he's going to be in an offense that has a lot of skill that has an actual quarterback. So like if there's ever a year for him to take that leap, this is it. Right. Um, sure. I wasn't too high on him just because I, I thought I'm not a fan of guys who, seek contact like that's just not how you you know you guys remember like some of the like uh marion barber is an extreme example like those those guys their career doesn't usually last long so maybe you know this offseason kind of changes that but um i mean another bronco that we're going to talk about that's that we have listed um pat sertan and that one is tough for me and we talked about this a little bit before just because like how much better can this dude get and yeah. when, when I say that, like he was pretty insane as a rookie. My my biggest issues with him coming out was just the recovery speed. But he played with such like his technique was so flawless that you, like you just couldn't tell he was speed deficient. And I'm, I'm not when I say speed deficient, like when I think of guys, uh, when I think of cornerbacks, if they have a step, if you have a step on them, like for example, like some of the best of the best, like Jalen Ramsey, for example. Um, if you have a step or two on him, that's nothing. Like he's gonna catch up to you. I don't see the same thing for Sertan, but again, like he knows how to play the position. Like he is so flawless that that to him running a four five high four four that doesn't matter. So I'm kind of interested to see like is there any way that he can get better? Which I'm sure there is, but he was so good as a as a rookie that man. I, in a division where everybody upgraded. Let's see when there are real expectations on Sertan. Now that I guess that's a better way to phrase it. Yeah, Sertan, Sertan was like a year one breakout, right? And it's not even like he broke right. out. He was a, he was a top ten pick, but like Sertan very much plays like he's the son of an NFL Pro Bowler who then went to the best high school in the country and then was coached by Nick Saban personally to play cornerback. Like <laughs> he's basically as refined as you can get. Um, he's, he's way up there in terms of the best corner. I think what it's like him and AJ Terrell are probably the best young corners in the league. I would say yeah. um, in terms of like the last two classes, the guy I'm going to say is Josh Palmer. And I think it's just because he's the speed guy with the Los Angeles chargers. At some point, Justin Herbert's going to want to throw deep. He's going to get some of these looks. They didn't address the wide receiver position in the draft. Like some expected, you know, potentially even as high as like in the first round, you know, a lot of those, Wide receivers went off the board before they even had a pick. I think the only one left in the first round would have been Traylon Burks. Um, so they got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams on the outside. Here are the guys Josh Palmer is going to be fighting for for playing time uh, as the third receiver. Jalen Guyton, Jason Moore, DeAndre Carter, Maurice French, Michael Bandy, Joe Reed, and <laughs> Trevon Bradford. Josh Palmer is going to be playing a ton of snaps for the Los Angeles Chargers unless they sign like a Julio Jones or OBJ in free agency. So I, I think we can kind of lock in Josh Paul. And, and he had a fine uh, rookie season. You know, he, he did okay with what his snaps were. I'm just hoping to see, you know, a year two jump, especially with his speed and who he has under center. I think they started using him more and more as the season went along. Like that, like the mm -hmm. last three games, he had over six or five targets. And a couple of games before that, he had seven targets. So um, I don't know if that was just a necessity, but you would think, and he is a third rounder too. So you right. would think would they have, have some investment there. Yep. And it's not like they have tight ends either. Like they added Gerald Everett, who, okay, that's, that's you, you fine. were right. That's not, nope. <laughs> and then, and then Donald Parham, who played for us in the XFL. So it's, also, uh, no. it's, yeah. So they, they shouldn't be taking away targets from Josh Palmer. I, I, I'm just hoping he, uh, out targets Austin Eckler, I guess, this year. I hadn't really considered how grisly that pass catcher depth chart was outside of Mike Williams. Yeah, Dude, it's it's not it falls off a cliff. Dude, if if Keenan takes a step down, I mean, he's getting up there in age or goes down with the injury or something. I, I love Keenan. He's one of my favorite wide receivers in the league. 
Um, but if, if he takes a step down, like, who's the vertical threat there? Like, is it Gerald Williams or Gerald Everett? Mike Williams? I, I, I mixed them together because they both run four sixes. <laughs> is Keenan a top ten wide receiver? When healthy? I mean, I would have to look at how the wide receiver board breaks down. But, like, he's in – He's in whatever tier the 10th wide receiver in the league is for sure. Yeah. I'd say he's like 10 to 15, like in, in, in that range somewhere, just especially because there's just so many good young wide receivers right now. Like he he's, he's been just consistently fantastic for years now. And, but yeah, like the chargers need that explosive element to their offense. So yeah, I, I want to be very clear. I'm pro Keenan Allen. Come, come ask for a trade to Green Bay King. <laughs> there we go. So heading to the AFC East, and there's you know a, a lot happening in, in this division this offseason, obviously. But the guy I went with Dolphins wide receiver Jalen Waddle. We already mentioned him a little bit uh, when we were talking about Devontae Smith. I think Jalen Waddle has potential to be a, a legitimate superstar, and I think his life is just only going to be easier. Now that teams have to worry about like, hell, we got to take away half the field just to stop Tyreek Hill from doing anything. Like we got to put two, three guys need to be paying attention to Tyreek Hill. And I think that's only going to mean great things for Jalen Waddle. I I think he's just got such a high ceiling head into the season. I know a lot of that depends on Tua's play and whatever, but if you believe Tyreek Hill, Tua is one of the greatest quarterbacks who's ever set foot on a football field. He he said that in a practice where Tua wasn't even there. (laughs) Like they're just saying nice things about the team that's paying them millions of dollars, guys. Don't overthink it. Waddle is a monster like that people need to understand that he had a thousand yards last season and we're talking about um devonta smith so waddle was basically like west welker 4-2 like the 4-2 version of west welker in that office last year it was slot slot underneath underneath um just didn't stretch the field at all. And for good reason, because that video, <laughs> that video has a lot of truth to it. Um, he Waddle, his longest uh, reception was only 57 yards. Outside of that, he only had, I believe, two other receptions over 40 yards on the season. That's not who Jalen Waddle is. Like he is a guy who you can throw a slant to and he will take it to the house. I imagine Tyreek Hill will only give him more space. I thought Waddle was the best wide receiver in that class. I thought he was better than Devontae. And, I mean, they're both like neck and neck. But I just think the way that the NFL is trending with, you know, getting guys the ball right away, there is, there's probably nobody better uh, to excel than Waddle. So, uh, Tua, please, please get him the ball. Hit him in stride. Let him run. The world needs to see how good of a player he is. And for all the talk about his speed, like it's world class. He's a legitimate wide receiver too, man. You can mm. use him – um, you can use him on any route, and uh, he he just knows how to go. I'm such a big fan of him. I can't wait to see him um, with a legitimate threat like Tyree. It'll be fun. Yeah, I, lo- I love Waddle. He's kind of in that tier for me where I'm like, was he a year one breakout, question mark, where it's like he, – he a thousand like, freaking yards. Yeah. yeah. And he was getting he was getting like nineteen targets a game. All <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did he he yeah. broke like the rookie reception record or something like that? I believe I he know. did. Yeah. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits into that system and what that system even looks like, right? Because he he is a good wide receiver. He is a great deep threat. But the other thing too is he's great with the ball in his hand, right? Like I was he, just going to say, if he, he had two carries last year, that is going to be different under Mike McDaniel. I promise you that. If if he would have been healthy his entire time at Alabama, he probably would have been like the best punt returner we had ever seen at the college level. And that's including guys like Devin Hester. Um, so we'll see if, you know, they still use him like that and how many end rounds and stuff he's going to get. But, you know, th- there's not a question why you're trying to feed that guy on screens and stuff, even if he does get tackled in the end zone for a safety at one point, which is just still absurd to me, even calling that play in that situation back up. <laughs> the guy I'm going to go with is Zach Wilson. Here, here's my entire Zach Wilson pitch. It can't be worse than last year. <laughs> it literally cannot be worse than last year. It was pretty bad last year. And I think, you know, their offensive line situation, hopefully with Beckton being there, um, is going to get better. You know, their wide receiver situation is almost certainly going to be better. Um, defensively, they're going to be in more games because they have actual pass rushers on the field um, now that Carl Lawson is healthy. So 
I just think things are trending up generally for the Jets. I don't know how good they're going to be. They still very well could finish fourth in, in this division. But I just think Zach Wilson will probably see some of the flashes that we certainly didn't see as a rookie. Like, don't forget this guy was a top three draft pick. Yeah, it's it's also gains and losses season as we get into OTAs. Mac Jones has lost. Yeah, his Mac gun. Jones. That shaped my life. Put, up, put on ten pounds of muscle because he's bulking up for the season. So I, I like Zagles. I do. I like what the Jets have done this off season, and I I totally agree. It can't be. What worse do we What do we life. think about uh, Mac Jones? Best, best shape of my life. That's just him saying he cut down on beer, right? <laughs> I was gonna say like, what? You just stopped eating fast food for a week, or like, what happened? <laughs> Just stopped crushing like six packs of bush light every day. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it goes for Mac Jones and Zach Wilson, but headed to the AFC South. Uh, again, I think I went with uh, another obvious one in Jaguars quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Um, while I don't love what the Jags did this off season, I guess they are better like relatively to how awful they were last season. And, and I have to assume that Doug Peterson is going to be better for Trevor Lawrence. Like we saw enough like microscopic glimpses of his potential last season in a total dumpster fire of a year that I'm still really high on his potential as an NFL passer. And he like Zach Wilson, he can only go up from here. Like it can't be as bad as it was last season. So I really like Trevor Lawrence to take a big step forward this season. I think the only thing with Trevor and like he, he's going to be better. You're, you're only betting on him. Like when we talk about Trey Lance, his surrounding, like he's naturally going to be better. Like with even Wilson, like he has better pass catches around him. So he's going to have opportunities to be better with Lawrence. It's like, damn man. Like what, who is, he has to make everybody. Zay Jones. Yeah. Like we, we talk about the roster every week. It seems like, and uh, there's nobody that can really bail him out. I guess is the easiest way to put it. So he is that good, and he he's everybody knows who he is because he's been put on this pedestal for a reason. Like he really has that much talent, and I mean, I actually think his rookie year was a lot better than given credit for. I know his numbers don't really reflect that, but just give him one receiver, man. Just like give him give him some kind of security blanket, and he doesn't have that. So, oh, poor Trevor, man. If Trevor does have the same year as he had last year. He should demand a trade, right? <laughs> right? We're all clear here. Like it's this isn't a Trevor problem, I don't think. So they have a year to figure it out, I guess. Um, my selection, and this is where I'm going to push back on KP calling uh, Joe Tryon the best pass rusher in last draft class. Quiddy Pay. Um, I think if he were in this draft class, we would have been talking about him as one of the higher drafted uh, players, just because of you know you you look at the top guys in the 2021 draft class and the top guys in the 2022 draft class it's night and day i i think pay would have gone much higher um i think he's going to be good for the indianapolis colts great pass rusher great athleticism sometimes it takes these guys just a little bit of time but like dave ojabo just got drafted in the second round off of an achilles tear and basically couldn't see the field because quitty pay was out there quitty pay was the number one pass rusher in 2020 for the Michigan Wolverines, not the guy who just went second overall. And I believe they were in the same uh, recruiting class because sure. they declared early. So I don't know. I, re- I really like pay. I think he's got a high upside. I think we would have been talking about him very differently if he was in a different draft class. Something was off when I watched pay coming out. And I don't know if, I don't know how to describe him as a player just because like you mentioned his athleticism and you mentioned, if you just look up his numbers, like, Oh wow, this guy can get off. Like this guy, like he has what it takes, but I don't know if it was because he was tired or if because he wasn't covering enough ground in his first three seven, whatever it may be, but something made me hesitant because I did like, you would think the Colts who are going to be good and who are going to be playing with elite, like he's going to have another, like, just like Char Ryan, he's going to be in a situation where he has a chance to pad his stats but for whatever reason, man, like something's lacking when it comes to him. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to describe it. Doubter. Doubter. <laughs> hey, Hive. The qu- the Quiddy boys uh, screen cap that and uh, we're we will at the end of the year. We will have a bet. Better season. Pay or try on. I'll take try. How are we deciding that? Um, PFF we'll grade? Be, yeah, I was going to say it has to be something <laughs> that'll, that'll make me look good. So, uh, sacks, baby. You know it. All right. Somebody make note of that. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it, it shakes out for those guys in the upcoming offseason. Our final division, 
the AFC North and my player in the North. I feel like the obvious one here that I think a lot of people are talking about would have been Baltimore Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman, who I really like. I think he's got an opportunity to take a step forward this year. And you know, he was injured for a lot of his rookie season. So that kind of slowed his production and development. But I actually went to the other side of the football for the Baltimore Ravens and their pass rusher, Adafe Owe, had five sacks as a rookie. And he really like came on my radar when they beat the Kansas City Chiefs last year because I believe he had the game ceiling sack on Patrick Mahomes. And he was the draft pick that they traded to the Ravens for Orlando Brown Jr. And it was like, man, that's such a Ravens pick. Like, they just, they just get pass rushers everywhere for late first round, second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round, whatever. Like they just find pass rushers everywhere and, and develop them into guys who wind up moving on and getting huge contracts somewhere else. And they're just a factory there. And he's going to be the top guy coming off the edge for them this season. So I, I've got a lot of faith in Adafi Owe just taking another step and, and really being the Ravens like true best pass rusher in the upcoming. I mean, they, they always do this, right? He it's was very annoying. Yeah, like nobody else does it. <laughs> right? Why? Why don't people just be more like the Ravens? How about that? Um, it's like it's a free pass rusher. Just take him. I don't get it. What, what's wrong with you guys? Well, he did develop so fast, though. I will say that that's that's the big thing. I'll give not just the Ravens, uh, you know, scouting staff, but their actual coaching staff. He developed so fast, man. They had him in the preseason gunning punts. They had him gunning punts, and then he ends up developing, you know, this quickly into, you know, a full-blown elite pass rusher, which is not what he was at Penn State. He very much was, like, an idea of a player who could be very good rather than, like, a guy who flashed it. And that's that you have to put that on the shoulders of the Ravens coaching staff. My guy I'm going to take is uh, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromora. He was drafted 52nd overall last year. Um, he was a guy who fell down the draft. You know, I, I really thought – he would have been, you know, a top 15-ish pick to me. Um, I know he's on the smaller side. You know, they kind of use him as, a, like, that money backer and nickel stuff. They have him listed at 215 pounds. He's only 22 years old. He did well in basically every phase of football. Started 10 games. I thought he did well against the run. I thought he did well in coverage. He has, you know, all the traits that you would want other than, you know, size in terms of his weight. I just like the upside there, and I think he's, like, the one – like money backer, you know, quote unquote type of guy who actually has staying power. I mean, he's, he's, he's basically a safety, right. Who can play linebacker. Um, I think he has more longevity than a guy like a Dion Buchanan and he's going to be on a good football team. So I, I, I think all these things are trending right for him. Yeah. J, uh, JOK just watching him teleport from like one side of the field to the other, just pretty much locked down. Um, that whole underneath flat seam curl flat area, it was really impressive. And I think that position is going to be more and more important as we move forward in the NFL. So uh, the Browns were ahead of the curve with him. Like that's just a great pick. And it's 52nd it's, overall. I still yeah, can't man. believe it. Yeah. Like with, with his traits too. Yeah. As someone who watched a lot of Brown Browns games last year, like when he was healthy, he just made plays like he was just every every game like you were like he did something that just like popped off the screen and you were like, whoa, OK, we got to pay attention to him because he can be a playmaker for that Browns defense. JOK fell down the draft because he's small. Mind you, five picks later, the Rams selected your boy who's one hundred and fifty five pounds to play Love NFL you. football. Love the NFL. So smart. It's such a smart. I can't I can't believe. Well, the Rams don't care about the picks. Okay, so Rashad Bateman, is there going to be too much pressure on him? Because it's kind of him. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, like everybody it's knows him and who, like Mark Devin Andrews. Duvernay? Like, yeah, like, um, there, there were again. Ravens like actively begging for Jarvis Landry on Twitter. Yeah, I think there's going to be too much pressure for Rashad Bateman this year. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's going to be rough. Uh, I mean, I guess if there's one thing that I guess works in his favor, it's that like Mark Andrews is already really good. And so, you know, he's going to get a ton of targets and draw a lot of coverage, but there is going to be a ton of pressure on him because yeah, that that wide receiver group, it's by far the weakest part of the Ravens roster. Third, third downs is going to be crazy for Baltimore, right? Like I'm, I'm not really worried about 
their early down stuff because they're going to use run action so much to, to be able to pass the ball and, you know, use the screen game. They have big guys who can block on the perimeter, but like third down, when you know that they're going to, you know, they're going to be throwing, like how, how often is Lamar just going to be scrambling in the backfield behind an offensive line that should be able to protect him well, but like, he's going to have to find running lanes, I think. So Bateman finished with 515 yards uh, receiving and a lot of that, or all of that came after week six over under 900 yards in 2022. I go over uh, assuming he stays healthy. I just think he's like necessity, right? Yeah. Like there's just going to be too many available targets. And it's like, yeah, the other guys on the roster, I think have had an opportunity to prove themselves and he's the one that's got the draft stock invested in him. I agree, man. I, I, I mean, the invested wide receivers are Devin Duvernay, James Prochet and Tylen Wallace at this point this is where like julio needs to sign right like we all agree on that like julio or obj one of these guys no he would automatically be a starter people talking about is julio wash julio would play every single down might crack like a thousand yards here so yeah i'd be in favor of that just just to take pressure off Rashad Bateman. sign julio please right now baltimore but those are our year two breakout candidates um thank you guys so much for listening to this edition of nfl university please make sure you subscribe rate and review everything that we're doing on apple and spotify you can follow justice on twitter at j-u-m-o-s-q you can follow kp at kp underscore show i'm steven serta that's where you can find me and we will talk to you guys next week